Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode, a few teams extend their beer sales in ballparks around the country. Evan Gaddis loses his shit on Twitter. Bryce Harper making a position move, and the A's off to another rough week. But a few bright spots from a few new faces on the team. And finally, who and I talk about what should we do to fix the pitching? It's all coming up next. Welcome back to the Town Tailgate Podcast. Um, I'm Chris. That is Julio across from me. What up? In person. Say hi, Julio. Again. In person again. Two weeks in a row. Yeah, this is going to be a more regular thing because we have softball games on Thursday, which is pretty cool. Uh, better for you guys. I don't know, Julio. Did you Do you think that we had better chemistry in person than... I feel like we've been doing it for so long. It's the same thing. Yeah. I, it's the same. It's just easier technology-wise. This is way not, easier to record. Yeah. Way not, easier to edit, too. Yeah, and especially side. like the first episode we did. I know we had issues because my internet was kind of hitting the shits. Yeah, uh, that's just not... like uh, just like that Oakland A's pitch. <laughs> you know what I was? Uh, he, oh god. Um, you know what I was listening to recently? Um, it was uh, or watching, I guess. I was like looking at Alex posted something on the Ricky blogs, um, Twitter, and I was like, man, I forgot that we did that episode last summer. Like, let me go watch it on YouTube. Remember his internet kept on fucking up. It fucked up like three times during uh, yeah. that, and we had to keep on redoing it um, and like picking it back up. That was an interesting podcast episode. Um, anyway, sorry. Uh, episode seventy-two. Um, we're brought to you by the Fan First Podcast Network. Um, follow us on Twitter at Town Tailgate. Um, check out the Oaktown Boys, who are also on this feed. They just put an episode out two days ago. Um, and we're going to do a crossover episode with them soon. Um, should we just jump into it, or is there something I'm missing? Yeah, man. Let's do it. I think uh, we got yeah, a, man. We got a let's, fun episode today. Let's do it, man. Yeah, brother. All right, big three. First off, the most important story of the week in baseball. Because of the fast pace and quick games that have been happening around baseball because of the new rule changes of the pitch clock, Four teams have chose to extend their beer sales one extra inning. As most people know, mm. around Major League Baseball, um, 
you have until the end of the seventh inning to get a beer, and they stop selling beer after that point. Once the first pitch of the eighth inning is pitched, you are not allowed to buy beer. Well, the D-backs, the Rangers, the Twins, and the Brewers have extended that to the end of the eighth inning. So if you live in those cities, you go to those games, you can buy beer until the eighth inning. Good for you. Um, The Orioles have actually already – I found this out reading this article for this podcast – the Orioles have already been doing that. They've been doing that for the past two seasons. That's because they had a game that went into 19 innings, like in 2021, and fans complained that um, they didn't get to drink beer during that time. So they extended it. So they're already thinking. So five Major League Baseball parks. I'd imagine this is going to start happening more and more. Ideally. Well, the thing that's not fair is all these teams are playing good right now, so they don't need the booze. Like, they need to have this yeah, for Oakland. Oakland should just not stop selling booze. Well, the problem with Oakland is that only half the concession stands are open. So they definitely need to do it because if they're only going to keep half of them open, that's like, that's even, you have to stand in line. Like, you're totally fucked if you're standing in line in, like, the end of the sixth inning and it takes the entire seventh inning to get to the front of the line. And, you know, you just, you're screwed no matter what. And it's I just love that this became a national wide news because it was literally on, dude, this, it was on the ESPN apps like top stories. Literally last week we were just talking about this because yeah. we pace of play, there was gonna be adjustments that had to be made and lo and behold, sure enough, the first adjustment we're seeing going place is alcohol sales going past the eighth inning. You know what I'm convinced that um a writer for ESPN actually this is the Associated Press wrote this article, but but ESPN picked it up. I'm convinced that the Associated Press heard our podcast. And they decided that moment that they were going to make this a major news story so that other teams couldn't do it. Now, the thing it all that comes I'm, back to us. Now, the thing I'm curious about is it's beer sales. Beer sales will go into the eighth inning. Yeah. But does that mean liquor sales? Liquor sales. Like, I, if, I think that's semantics a little bit there. Like, I hey, look, I've had a couple, you know, I've already had a couple Sierra Nevadas. I like to have a nightcap with, you know, vodka soda or something. Like, can I not do that if it's the eighth I inning? would imagine it's the same, bro. But also, you know, if my family is listening, I would not switch from going to beer straight to hard alcohol. Like They that. also water that shit down, dude. That is true. That is true. Even like, though- I don't even – I mean, actually, no, I know uh, you can get shots. I've gotten shots at, uh, at the treehouse before. Uh, but, like, the mixed drinks are watered down. I can't imagine – I can't. I, also, I don't even know if other ballparks do serve liquor. I feel like most do at this point. I don't know because if I've they seen one at Angel cocktail. Stadium. I think I've seen them at Dodger Stadium before. Dodger Stadium for sure sells them. Yeah, but like Yankee Stadium, I can't remember. I don't think so. Red Sox. We. I didn't really walk around the Red Sox um, stadium too much. Um, That's a good question. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if Anaheim does. I feel like they. They probably do. do because there's nothing to do there, so you got to get drunk to get through the game. But, uh, but I I don't I can't remember off the top of my head seeing one or buying any myself. Now the real question that's going to come out of this is just like, what? Why was this such a quick turnaround? Like, is this something that because people were probably complaining? You see that, folks? That's that's how you lead a revolution. That's how you do it. You dude. just get enough people to say this. Sucks. You just got to be a bunch of Karens. Yeah, exactly. Now, I'm just kind of curious. Like, this was, like, the first thing we saw in the in-person stadium experience where we're, like, this was going to be the one of the first things affected is just, like, they're not going to be able to sell as much booze and they're going to be I'm a little money. surprised that they didn't account for this in the first place when they made the changes. I feel like <clears> they don't – It's it seems like 
this is not just a baseball business problem. This is just a society problem. Is yeah. uh, people generally don't look at the problems that people, other people below them, will tell them about until it becomes a problem, and they're like, "Oh crap, we didn't realize we were going to be losing money." I'm like, "Yeah, we know. We've been saying that, but you weren't listening to us," kind of thing. Well, to to be fair, like to defend the commissioner's office, um, they did a study with the Class A Brooklyn Cyclones last year. Um, because they had the pitch clock last season, and their general manager said there was no drop off in concession sales, even with the shorter games. Interesting. So, Interesting. I assume that they couldn't, but also, I don't know. Um, uh, they're a single A team, so I can't imagine that the. I mean, the attendance isn't the same, so maybe with more people in the ballpark, there's better numbers to show it. I don't even know if there's analytics around it. There's probably it's probably just a lot of emails that were sent to, like. The operations people were just like, all right, we got to do something about this because people are complaining about it. And uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, that's, that's all, that's all I can think of. I think the big thing too that if I had to make a correlation between these teams, uh, Milwaukee Brewers in the name beer, yeah. Brew, beer, yeah, uh, Minnesota, Midwest, North Midwest, big beer scene, always there. And, Is that- uh, uh, I, I have the assumption. I just think of like Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Michigan mm, are just yeah. big beer cities. Texas is hot. Yeah, Arizona cool and Texas down. are just hell on earth. So you need yeah you need substances beer. to just well, just yourself. it's just because you're in that hot weather. The ice cold beer just tastes good. Beer here, um, especially spring training when they just walk around with it. Oh yeah, that's beautiful. Um, so, but dude, those things get hot in spring training so quick. Uh, I went to I went to Scottsdale Stadium once and and I got a, a beer from one of those those like thirty minutes because I was sitting in the sun too so that didn't help it it just got warm and it the quickest time and uh one quick thing to wrap it up so I went golfing with a couple of friends last week Adris shout out Adris in our fancy foot fancy baseball um actually no, no he doesn't get one <laughs> um, <laughs> and my buddy Stephen Bandy um Cheech. and and my buddy Carl Yeager and they were talking we were talking about like the changes and and we kind of like gave up our points for reasons why we liked it why we didn't like it Adris is hard against it by the way um right i'm sure for the listeners julio just made the most weird face um and cheech went to a game uh steven banny went to sorry that's his nickname steven banny went to a game recently at the giant stadium and that was his biggest criticism of the new rules is that the game went by so short he was only able to get one beer because he looked up and like uh, like when he was a third left of his beer, he was like, what the hell? Like it's already the seventh inning and he tried to go and he just like, didn't get to the concessions in time. So it, it amongst at least our generation, it it's well known. Remember that was one of the first things I told you when I went to the opening day it was like, yeah, the, the beer thing is, is a real problem. Like you really got to be on top of that. Otherwise you just forget and you you just, you only get one in. It's either that or teams need to adapt with technology. So hopefully that's going to be the next step. I don't see that happening this year at this point. I mean adapt with technology. Well, like making the convenience of going to a stadium and ordering easier than having to get up out of your seat. Yeah, like, like all what you sta- talked about last week. Yeah, yeah, like all these stadiums have, yeah. you know, 5G Wi-Fi now at this point where you should be able to like order it on your phone in yeah. between innings, go down, grab your food, grab your up. drinks, whatever, and just pick yeah, it up. Yeah, tried go. that in 2021. Remember when like the you were spread out and all that? Yeah, but it, the, Angels the did, app yeah. crashed during uh, yeah. opening day. Yeah, I think the same thing happened in Angel Stadium. We tried it one time and it is like we ordered it and but it didn't go through. Yeah, it you was did it through the ballpark app. Yeah, and it's like 
it, maybe it's a launch of the Trinet, and maybe next year it'll be around. Like you know, obviously you got to try yeah. and see if it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But you know, cheers. Let's cheer, wrap it up cheers, with a cheers. cheers. Woo! Boom. That was loud. Sorry, all right. Uh, all right. Moving on. Uh, you can take this one because yes. you know more about this than I do. Evan Gaddis went a little wild on Twitter the other day on all t- on all days Easter. Why don't you remind the listeners of who yes, Evan of course, Gattis of course, exactly uh, on Easter Sunday of all days too, because he has risen. Uh, Evan Gaddis, if you do not remember him, he was kind of a folk hero of Major League Baseball. Uh, he was a at one point a higher up prospect in the uh, minor league systems. Uh, kind of fell off of that track. Uh, had some substance abuse problems all these years. And eventually he was working as a janitor at a high school over in New Mexico. Uh, and then eventually he got called up. Or he found his way back in, and he was – I remember him for this time with the Atlanta Braves. He was a catcher there for a good chunk of time. He eventually yeah. got traded to the uh, Houston Astros. He won a World Series there in 2017. He had a pretty solid career. Uh, why is he back in the news, Julio? Well, because he said some wild shit on Twitter. Uh, he went out on Twitter on Easter Sunday again and – fully admitted that yes the Astros knew every pitch that was coming almost every time and it was all through the science dealing sca- scandal of course we that already knew was, that though yes the other thing that came out that was pretty really wild, breaking news two years later yeah huh, wait way to go Evan uh the other thing that's been pretty wild that he came out too was uh he was juicing like he was on performance enhancing drugs throughout that whole season so how did he not get caught? That's the real question. I I don't I do not know. It's like you, yeah, I don't know. You're just a washed up backup catcher at this so point. So you I just didn't think. get drug tested? Yeah, that's that's my best assumption. But hmm. um, he pretty much came out and it was like admitted what we all knew, but it was interesting to hear. He might have been the first player admission from that team to come out and say it. I think I know yeah. there's investigations. I don't know if. But the well, thing Mike is, fires, but yeah, but like oh, he wasn't on that team though. He was he on that team? Oh no, he was on the team. Yeah, but this he was, was like, like I think this is the first positional player to come out and admit it. I know Carlos yeah. Beltran. I don't know if he actually came out and said anything. Um, it same was like with I remember Alex Bregman pretty much was just like ho-hum about it. Same as the rest of those guys. So it's interesting to hear a player's perspective from it. Um, the one thing he did say though was the buzzer stuff is was kind of legit, but he did say that El Tuve um he's that it was never him. That he's just he's just a hitter. He just knows how to hit. Um so for one, I think that kind of what we're gonna look at this from going forward is just like how are we gonna look at this guy? Mm-hmm. I think we've all kind of looked at him as kind of like a like I said, kind of like a folk hero because like this guy was a nobody. He was a high school janitor, and he made it up to the majors. He won a World Series. He had a successful career. So you tell me if I take roids, I can play professional sports. Yeah, I know. Like, where, what? The? Sick. I know. It's kind of crazy. It's it's a pretty crazy story. Do you can buy them on Amazon? Uh, probably. They're probably just called something else, and you just they just labeled it as nice. They steroids as um, let's let's call them. Um, I had strep throat last year, and I used uh, penicillin. Isn't there steroids in penicillin? I think so. Nice. I've been writing so. out before then. Cool. Do you have any left? We can use it for softball tonight. No, I don't. Allegedly. Not taking steroids for softball. I don't think LA get... Municipal cares about if people take steroids or not, especially Class C level 
Exactly. Exactly. But now that we kind of hear this story, um, and he said the when he knew that uh, his big moment of the off that postseason was, uh, he had a home run off his CC Sabathia to break a scoreless tie, and uh, they ended up winning the game four nothing. He said, "Yep, I knew exactly what was coming because of that." Yeah. Um, what what really new things from these stories did we hear that you're just like what we didn't already suspect about this team and what legacy if what legacy if it had any left was even tarnished more when they won the world series last year all of that shit went to went to went to the trash in uh, you know pun intended uh, i i it's so just plain upsetting that they won the world series last year i i it, it it like we'll you know 20 years from now we'll probably get like some like last dance like three-part documentary series about it and it'll be like this big thing but then the last episode of the series it'll make them look like heroes because they won the 2022 series so it's like oh but we did it like without cheating and so we were the real deal and it's just like it's so sad everything about that storyline they've gotten the like all the luck in the world in terms of not being ridiculed in the public eye because when it came out the pandemic hits right after that so they get totally fucked and they don't get to get berated that season afterward and then they win the and they go to the alcs championship two years in a row and you're like okay this is interesting maybe they are legit good and they win the world series next year and it's like and or last year it's just like it's the most frustrating thing in the world as someone who absolutely despises all cheating especially in this game because this game has an unfortunate very bad history throughout the entire existence of this of this league in this game there is a very bad history of cheaters in this fucking in this game and it it kills me because it it ruins the best part about this game, which is the history of it. I love baseball because it has such a rich history. It is America's game to its core. It's the first ever like invented game from Americans. It's the first ever professional league. It will, it's been for majority of American history, the biggest league professional sports league in the, um, in the country. And when shit like this happens and it gets brushed under the rug, it just bugs the fuck out of me. Julio, you know this firsthand because you uh, you know my take on steroid users and how our generation just keeps brushing that under the rug because it's like, oh, well, these are my childhood heroes, so I don't want to talk about them that way. And it's just, it, it, I, I don't you know. You don't say a damn bad word about Brady Anderson, you monster. <laughs> Cheaters, I just can't stand it in this game and the, and how they can just prosper off of it. Well, what's interesting, another thing that uh, during the tweet thread that he had going on was um, even despite some of the stuff they knew, he said the one pitcher that they he I don't know if it was just to him or just the team couldn't figure out was you Darvish. Um, But I think interesting. Yeah, but I think with him, didn't you have a down year that year, though? You, you Darvish, that was, I think it was good, but that was where he got knocked around because he was tipping his pitches. It wasn't they were sign stealing. He was just tipping off his pitches um, around, like, from the mound and stuff. It doesn't really change anything I've ever already thought about this team. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a bummer to kind of hear, you know, it sounds like he's going through some stuff. Because if you go look through the Twitter thread, he did sound a little uh, unhinged. So yeah. you got to hope that everything's going on okay with this Probably guy. Probably not. Uh, and the other thing that he was kind of pointing out was, like, we weren't the only team. 
but like we all again that was something we all knew i think people already knew that the dodgers were doing stuff the yankees were doing stuff uh i hate to admit it now but like that we you know like the ball was juiced but like in 2018 2019 i wouldn't be shocked if the a's were doing something in a small form even if it wasn't you sound like the people who you sound like barry bonds fans who defend like steroids like Oh, well, how do we know that Ricky Henderson wasn't doing steroids? Well, we don't, but he never got proven that he did steroids. It's like, I hate those people. Those people drive me fucking insane. We, it's just like, it's, and that's the hard part. That's the, the shittier part that's come out of this now. Is like, it, it makes you have to question so much. And that's what, and here we go, full circle. You said you hate cheaters, and here it is. It makes you question so much that I those ace teams in 2018, 2019, 2020 were so awesome and there yeah. was so much fun. And now, like, because of the shit that happens, you know, I'm sure, look, at the end of the day, I think they were just a good team. But, like, because of the circumstances of that time, you're like, crap, were they doing something? Were they looking? Were they cheating somehow? And that's not fair to the rest of the league. So I hope that this Astros team never gets any sort of redemption arc for the rest of baseball. I hope that. But they will, though. But they will. That's a fact. And what's going to be crazy now, too, is like when these guys' careers start ending up, it's like Jose Altuve is probably going to be in the Hall of Fame. But it's like he he benefited from a lot of this. A lot of his success, he was 2017 MVP because of this. Um uh, there's mm-hmm. gonna be Justin Verlander's gonna he was gonna be the Hall of Fame regardless of this. Yeah, but time then he the won. Astros. But then he won the Cy Young last year. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's just a, it just sucks because it makes you th- question everything you've really considered. Do you with the think? Sport. Do you think these guys years from now will get the same treatment as steroid users in the Hall of Fame do now? Like, do you think that that because it's probably gonna be our generation that's voting on. At that time, it'll be art, uh, maybe Gen Z, Gen Z and, and, or not, sorry, Gen Z, um, Gen X and us, that'll be the generations voting on the Hall of Fame. Are they going to have the same sort of spite that, like, the boomers have right now towards steroid users? Absolutely, because they picked, they pissed off the two biggest markets in the country during those runs, Los Angeles and New York. Oh, that's a good point. (laughs) Like, a lot of those people are going to. A lot of these voters are will more than likely come from these areas and have this. And I think it's just we're not going to forget. I'm always going to remember. You're always going to remember because guess what? The A's won 97, 98 games or whatever. Yeah. 2018, 2019. And it didn't matter because the Astros were cheating and they won over 100 both times. That's a good point. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I'll never forget. I'll never forgive them. All right. Dramatic. Moving on. <laughs> Um, last big story, um, the Barry Zito of the big three, um, Bryce Harper, um, it looks like, so the rumors were that based on his surgery, what, what, what happened to him again? What was his, his injury? Julio? He had Tommy John. Tommy John. That's right. So he plays right field and it looked like he wasn't going to be playing at all this season, but he, um, came out in spring training and said that. He, him and the team have a plan for him to target like middle of the season, but he's not going to play in the field. He's going to be DH because just like, um, Otani did, um, two seasons ago, um, on Tommy John surgery. Yes, you can't throw, but you can still, um, swing the bat pretty effectively. Um, so that, um, was a plan, but now he came out recently and said that he's been getting at practice, getting reps in at first base so he can try and play first base. 
Um, and I guess that they, so they can keep Kyle Schwarber at DH, I'm assuming. Cause then you have to play Kyle Schwarber in the outfield and he's not, he's actually gotten a lot better on defense in the past couple yes. of years compared to his Cubs years, but he, um, you know, he's not, he's not great. Um, so that will be interesting. And you know, it's easy to play first. Tell him wash. It's incredibly hard. You didn't do it right. Whatever. Anyways, uh, playing first base, is not that hard. Tell him wash. It's incredibly hard. As I'm looking at the Moneyball poster in front yeah. of me. This kicks ass. But then, doesn't that... What are they going to do with Reese Hoskins, though? He's a free agent. No, no, no. I mean, but this season. He's done. He tore, he's done for the year, remember? He oh, tore, that's he, right. he tore his, his knee or something, but he's going oh, to... He's Dude, a pending free agent. should sign him. What are you talking... We've got Reese Hoskins in AAA right now. He's playing in Vegas. Except he's a lefty. Except he's been playing a lot of catcher, which I don't understand. Um... So yeah, he's a pending free agent. We, I personally love this move. I hope this is just becoming that this works because I was reading an athletic article about it last night, and one of the things that Bryce Harper was saying is kind of the initial hesitancy about a potentially ever coming into the infield, at least first base specific, was like, "I'm not your typical first baseman. I'm not that tall." When you think of first baseman, you think of you know huge guys like Matt Olson, or you think of yeah. like uh, big targets. Yeah, big targets. Bryce Harper isn't that big. I think he's like maybe six one ish. Out of to you know fact check that. In Keep a going. Minute. Up. But the biggest thing that article was pointing out, and it makes a lot more sense, is going into the future, it's going to give them so much flexibility with that lineup because last year he was hurt at the beginning of the year. Six and three, so he's kind of big. Yeah, that's big. Yeah, yeah he, he should be able to. Yeah. It's toxic masculinity right there. I'm thinking he wasn't big enough, but <laughs> classic. <laughs> Come on, bro, you got this. But it gives him flexibility. Last year he was playing dominantly in the DH spot, so they could didn't really have the flexibility of like putting these guys in. But now what's going to happen in the future is if he can turn out to be a everyday first baseman where he's will be good enough defensively, where he can keep him there every day. Well, perfect, because now you're going to have the flexibility if, like you said, Kyle Schwarber just can't really field as much anymore. Cool. You split him to DH. Nick Castellanos has never been a great fielder either. Cool. Flip him to DH. And now the Phillies actually have a really good defensive outfield since they got former Oakland great Christian Pache, and then they have um, who's homeboy from the Angels they got from last year, uh, long hair Brendan. Uh, my God, Brandon Marsh. Mm. Brandon Marsh is a really solid defensive center fielder. And then when the trade deadline comes in the in the summer, if they would see there's some holes they can fill in the outfield, well, perfect, because now we can just have flexibility with that. So you think this is a long-term play? You don't think this is a temporary thing just until his arm feels better? Because he's an incredible outfielder. He's only won one gold glove. As opposed to none? I think so. <laughs> I, I just think, and I think it's a smarter move for the rest of his career, too. Um, one of the things that... He's only won one gold glove, Julio yeah. says. Yeah, exactly. But um, I I think it's going to be a smarter How term. many gold gloves has Seth Brown won? You shut your goddamn mouth, okay? He's only had one full year in the bigs. Uh, Christian Pache has a gold glove. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he does. He won a gold glove in 2021 at the Braves. Uh, just keep going. It doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, now it doesn't matter. 
Well, because <laughs> I, I, I mean, that's not relevant. I'm, I'm thinking of like poor, piss poor outfielders. Oh yeah, of course, of that, course. That play outfield every yeah. day. Yeah. Um, but ah, uh, god damn, you made me lose my point. But good because you made me lose mine. I think it's going to be great for the longevity of his career because mm-hmm. he's not going to have to run as much. You're going to have the flexibility where any freak injuries that will happen in the outfield, it doesn't have to happen to him. And now we're looking at him potentially having the same career trajectory as, you know, Pujols moving, starting his career in left way, way back in the day and eventually going well, into first. D- dive into this because this was a fun um, text conversation that we had. Dive into the, to the like, diagnosis of that. Yeah, so – Historically, um, we've seen a lot of out- infielders go into the outfield successfully, but we haven't seen a lot of the other way around. So um, Chris and I were going back and forth with this for a bit, asked a few other people, my brothers, um, other friends. I eventually just went on Reddit, and I just asked the question of the thread. I'm like, hey, can I need some like good examples because like, this doesn't happen often. Mm-hmm. There are some really solid examples. So for one, Albert Pools. Albert Pools started his career in the left field. I think he was only there for like the first three years or so. Eventually transitioned to first. I don't even remember him playing the outfield. I thought yeah, he, I, I thought remember. He yeah, first. I wish. I wish we had Ronnie. Shout out to Ronnie here as like, hey, you Cardinals fan. Why was the reasoning behind that? I'm yeah. sure there was. Um, we of course Miguel Cabrera. And Miguel Cabrera only did that because they had Mike Lowell, and then once Mike Lowell kind of aged down, they got rid of him. He moved back over to third. Yeah, he came up through the Marlins system as a third baseman. Yeah, so uh, you know what? It was probably when Mike Lowell got traded to Boston. Yeah, yeah. So he went to third, uh, and then he eventually got traded to Detroit. Then he moved moved over to first, and then he became fat. And the rest is history. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then those are two excellent examples. Yeah. And then another good example is uh, former Angel great Darren Erstad. Somebody pointed out that he won a gold glove in the outfield and in the infield. So that's pretty tight. But then you have Mark Trumbo, who um, he's never been known for his defense. He's a poor skills. man's Reese Hoskins. Yeah. So Speaking I think it was Hoskins. pretty much like, dude, you're so bad in the outfield. Maybe you can be decent in the, at first. Yeah. And that was the case. Uh, but I think. But think I think this is going to work out well because Bryce Harper is a freaking incredible athlete. He's one, one of I the just best. thought about is Craig Biggio. Catcher yeah, is technically Craig, infield, and then he went to the outfield, and then he went to second base. That's another point too. Bryce Harper in his old like high school years, he was a catcher, and that it, the decision was made for him to move to the outfield because they wanted to save his legs. So it's kind of funny. I feel like every like star player started out as a catcher in high school. Yep. Yep. Kind of jo- Josh Donaldson was a catcher. Yeah, bro. Oh, he was a catcher throughout the farm system, too. Kenley Jansen was a catcher. So Craig Biggio won gold gloves 94 to 97. I don't know what defensive positions. I have to look that up right now. So, I know he played catcher, second outfield. I don't think he was ever. Uh... That was it. Yeah. That was it. He went from catcher to outfield and then he went to second base, I, w- I want to say. But I gonna... just added him to my MLB The Show lineup. So I, re- I remember seeing the Sick. flexibility. <laughs> When you guys talk about fucking video games, like in our group chat stuff like that, you're like yeah, I got his MLB the Show card. I'm just like, well, it just goes right over my head every time. You just don't get it, man. Okay, so that's cool. So he, um, 94, he was in. He played second base. Okay, so no, he played second base for all those um, years. So never mind. All right, cool. <laughs> um, uh, so he only won Gold Gloves for second base, not catcher. Um, well, you know me. I'm not a video game dude, dude. As I'm looking at his Wii. Yeah, that's a collecting dust. Guess how many Wii games I have? Two. Yeah. 
dude, no, we bowling is a great hangout at home. Oh, drink yeah. some beers with the boys and like put that. In. And then you put like games on the other on the other two TVs and you just fucking play we bowling. It's also a great date activity. We bought a we post date activity. You get drinks, come back, play some. We have some more drinks, kick it. We bought a we as an and Whitney and I a few months ago again because. But doesn't the Switch have? Can't you buy we bowling on the Switch? It's not the same. It's well, it's like, not the same about uh, it. One, it doesn't have baseball, and baseball is. <sighs> we bowling and we tennis are the only two games you want to play, bro. Oh, we golf is too sensitive. It's not fun. Dude, um, come come and see me with the just the flick of the wrist and we baseball, dude. Just get like hundred miles those power exceeders. That's like you those literally just have to flick the wrist. And also, I I got a Mario uh, Mario baseballs the shit on there too. Oh, that's a good one. That was yeah, a good one. that was a good one. Welcome to the Wii Hour. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we bowling and we tennis really ones that I like. Have you ever seen? Did you ever watch How I Met Your Mother? Of course. You know the episode where Ted has two girls down at the bar. And it's like he calls it the tricycle. It's like potentially there's going to be a threesome. And he keeps trying to get Barney and Marshall. It's like a Saturday night. He keeps trying to get Barney and Marshall to come down stairs to the bar and like go out and drink with him. He's like, come on, guys, go out. And he keeps going upstairs and then coming back downstairs. Um, and the reason why Barney and Marshall end up not coming downstairs to the bar and meeting up is because they're playing Wii Tennis. They're just drinking beers and playing Wii Tennis. Like that is such a. It was a moment of time. It was. It was special. It was a moment in time. Yeah. I. I would recommend rewatching How I Met Your Mother. It doesn't Barney doesn't age well at all. No, no, he doesn't. That's why they have How I Met Your Father to give him the redemption arc. That's actually I actually like that show. It's really good. Um, all right, let's move on to A's news. Um, the A's did shitty again this week, so they uh, went zero and three um, against Tampa. Scored a total of five runs in that. Um, that was all series. in one game, right? Um, Saturday. Yeah, and they gave up thirty runs. <laughs> um and then they played the O's the beginning the Orioles the beginning of this week um they won one game out of three um they gave up tw- or they scored scored twenty four total runs the offense really came alive we're going to get into the reason why in a second um but they gave up twenty nine runs so they're still giving up a lot of runs four games it's a four game series <clears throat> oh Just sorry yeah that's all I read that wrong they went one and three not. One win, three losses. One win out of three. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> I mean, we let's not. I mean, we're gonna talk a, in big detail after the break about the concerns of that because giving up thirty runs and twenty nine runs in two series is pretty insane. But the small ball picked up in the in the series against the Orioles. Look, the the Rays are just a really fucking good baseball team. They're thirteen and zero. They're well-rounded. They have gold glovers all over their fucking, all over their fucking roster. So, and they have really good, obviously pitching. We faced Shane McClanahan, who was a stud, um, in one of those games. It that's a tough one, but the Orioles, who I think are a lot better team this season, um, we're able to score twenty-four runs, all mostly on small ball. is pretty impressive. Um, yeah, everybody hit in those in that series. I'm not kidding you. Last night's game, Wednesday night's game, um, I jumped out of my seat when they did a double steal. Yeah. Where Nick Allen tight. Nick Allen took third and Esri Ruiz took second. Oh no, Ramon. It's about took third. time they did it. You said it like they weren't taking those opportunities. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. It, and I think this is the key to success. This is how this team is like 
at least going to be competitive. And I think that's the most we can really ask for as A's fans. How good is this team going to be? We don't know. But realistically, they're probably not going to be good. Mm -hmm. Just be competitive. Find those things that are going to make you entertain night in and night out where you can at least uh, lay your head down and being like, all right, well, at least we saw XYZ, ABC uh, did well. And I think the... And I think the one thing that's happened in at least this Orioles series is we did see that. We find, like, Brent Rooker, holy crap. Brent Rooker hit, what, three home runs in this series? Yeah, so let's get into that. He So in the last three games, he had scored four runs, six hits, three of them were home runs, nine RBIs. He just was on fucking fire against the Orioles. Yeah, he looked great. Esra- he was the only non-small ball player on our team this week. Esrue Ruiz today hit leadoff against Cole Irvin, um, lefty against righty, and he was awesome. He went, th- what, was it three for three, three for four today? He had yeah. a couple steals, or he had a couple hits. And he was cold pretty much all week, pretty much since we talked about him last week. He was he was cold all week. Yeah, yeah. so to kind of see that production coming yeah. from him, especially at the top of the lineup, that's exciting. And Tony Kemp is always consistent. He always gets big hits when you need him, but he's not consistent as a hitter. He's consistent as... A clutch hitter. Yeah. Sense. Yeah. We're starting um, um, Carlos Perez behind yeah. the behind the plate. Had an awesome game. Ryan last night Noda too. cooled off, which is upsetting because I was a big Noda fan after last week. Noda, no doubt. No, no doubt. Well, there's doubt now. <laughs> I guess so. Um, it's just nice to see. And I think that's the thing that's going to keep us ex- at least contempt for the season. If you're starting to see these guys who – and Ken Waldocek had a – awesome game yesterday yeah he uh he had 107 pitches which was great to see kate kind of have some faith to let him let, go. and to still let these guys learn i think today it kind of backfired with all he kept him in a little bit longer but it's like at this point in these guys careers there's no other way you're going to let them learn than by just leave them out there in the fire yeah Dubchuk went six and one-thirds innings gave up five hits three runs walked three guys and three strikeouts um that's a quality start for a young guy. Um, coming off of his last start, it's its first two starts are terrible. Good, It's good news, yeah. Um, but, I mean, one out of seven good starts for pitchers is not. Uh, Kyle Muller had a had a decent had a, had a had a decent game going, and then he put on three guys, and then the bullpen just failed him. Um, in that game yeah. on, uh, what was that, Tuesday? Was that uh, Yuri's Familia came in and just... It was him, and it was... um. No, wasn't Yuri's Familia? Wasn't that today? Maybe I'm tripping. Yeah, he gave up six um, earned no, runs. No, dude, it was fucking Jimenez who like totally blew it on That's that it one. Was. Yeah, because I have him on my fantasy team, and it's not good. Um, Which was, like, shocking. Um, Yeah, it, it's just... I don't know. I don't know what to. After like two quality starts from Mueller last week, I just don't know what to make. I think of it. One and I don't know if you, if you're. Well, we'll we'll, we'll talk about the pitching stuff in a little bit. Sure. If you're unless you're ready to segue into it now. No, we'll yeah. we'll do it after the break. Um, but it's yeah. It it was some interesting stuff that happened there. But I think the one thing that we were most concerned about after when we recorded last week was like the bats. And after that weekend in Tampa, we're like, this is only, it seems like it's only getting worse. Yeah. 
I think the hope now is that was what the rock bottom was and that this past series against Baltimore where we saw what this potential like DNA of this team was going to be is going to be potentially in the small ball more than it is on Yes, the and ball. small ball can work if you commit to small ball. Like even yesterday's game, like uh it was it was the sixth inning or something i can't remember specifically they laid down a bunt to move the runner from second to third it's like okay let's actually play small ball like what are we doing here like we have all this speed on the roster this team is built that way like and the runner why was aren't we taking advantage of it yeah that's right there was nobody covering first or they beat it out no i think they got him out at first but there, there was another they there did was no outs and they had, a, they had a, i think ruiz was on second and it's like, all right, let's move this guy up. And then they he ended up scoring because they moved him over to third. And it just made the next two batters' job a lot easier to get him home. I, it, I don't – I mean, again, like you said it last week, like if we're going to – if this team is going to be built for small ball, why aren't we playing small ball? Exactly. And um, it's it's going to be – it's going to be an interesting ride <laughs> regardless. Yeah. Uh there's actually one thing of A's news uh, that came through earlier. So uh, Frankie Tarnock was actually uh, – Freddie Tarnock came over the Braves trade. Yeah. Uh, he was actually just placed on the 60-day IL. He was on the 40-man roster. Because of that, the A's have claimed uh, left-handed pitcher Richard Lovelady from Atlanta and have placed him on Triple A Vegas. So all that to say that A's have acquired Dick Lovelady. That – I had a really good take in the next segment that just ruined it. Um, Dick Lovelady? No. Uh, we'll get into that after the break. So uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Okay. We are back from break. Uh, what we're going to talk about, um, which we alluded to it in the last segment, um, is um, should be we should be we worried about the pitching? Again, last week the A's gave up against Tampa Bay in three games a total of thirty runs. The Orioles gave up twenty nine runs. The week before that. Oh, shit, I don't have it in front of me. The week before that, it was very bad as well. I don't have those numbers in front of me. I thought I did, but I don't. Uh, oh, sorry, yeah. Against the Angels in three games, 20 runs. Uh, it's uh, it. Look, these guys are young, and they've shown flashes. We talked about Kyle Muller has shown flashes, and he had a quality start this week, but, you know, some bad things happened. Ken Wallerchuk finally had a quality start. But at some point, is it maybe these guys aren't as talented or maybe they're, you know, maybe it is the young age. Maybe it's, it's the experience. I I mean, I don't, I don't know. So we're going to obviously dissect that this, this segment, but like, it's not even just the starting pitching Julio. It's the bullpen too. The bullpen has totally collapsed this past week. Yeah, and that's kind. Of, I think the bullpen was like the most discouraging part about that because because our bullpen's really good. It was. It was. Yeah. It was really good for the start of the season. It looked and like, in the last season. Yeah, and it did not show it at all this year. Um, it is a bit concerning because the team, at least our interpretation of it, was when these trades were going on, they just brought in a ton of arms 
to see what's going to work kind of thing. And mm -hmm. we're kind of seeing the mixed bag of results, but mostly bad results from it. I think some of the things that deal with it is I don't think it's just a pitcher problem for one. A lot of these guys are young. young. We're going to have to learn to have the development. I think this is also what happens when you have a relatively unexperienced catcher as well with Shane Langoliers right now. We're, yeah. we're going to have to be going through these ground games sure. in the first few months. And what, something I was looking up on the side while you were talking right now is I was looking up um, the games where the A's didn't give up a lot of runs. <laughs> Look, mm. the, mo the least amount of runs they've given up in a game was three. Who caught those games? Uh, Carlos Perez. Yeah. Carlos Perez behind the plate against uh, the Guardians. So that's something that's a great point I didn't think about. Yeah. Because uh, yesterday. Sean Murphy came up with I guess he didn't he didn't come up with any of these guys, huh? It was the last regime that he came up through the minors with and, and caught, is what I'm saying. Um I was gonna say, like, so Sean Murphy might have a different tale, but I mean Shay Lang Lears came up with Kyle Moeller, so he should he should I I mean I guess They've had some good quality starts at the beginning, so maybe that led to it. But, like, he doesn't – you know, Langliers doesn't really know Ken Wallachuk that well, you know, just from last season a little bit. But he's really become the dominant catcher this offseason. And it's – J.P. Sears. I mean, all those guys. Yeah, I don't – this is weird. And you have to think about it, too. I had to pull up the roster from 2019, just a, a small sample size. Is That's because that's when Sean Murphy got called up. Um, he had he, – look, he didn't have – an all-star in front of him or like in 2018 when, you know, for better and for worse, when they had John the Luke Roy for the season, he was at least a pretty veteran catcher where he knew what he was going to be calling. Mm -hmm. The guys that were on that roster that year were uh former Oakland eight, Josh Fagley. What a guy. Oakland what a name. Uh, Chris Herman. Remember that bad boy? Yeah. And then uh, Dustin Garneau, who Dustin Garneau is a pretty journeyman catcher. Yeah. So I think those guys provide enough where he was able to, they were able, and plus those were that rotation was awesome. With well, with Jonathan Lucroy learned under some pretty great catcher, or not Jonathan Lucroy, sorry, Josh Fegley learned under three great catchers and Stephen Vogt, uh, like at calling games. That, like, yeah, that's their strength. Stephen Vogt, Jonathan Lucroy, and um, oh my god, I'm totally blanking on the last one. Um, uh, John Jaso, sorry. Ah, oh, John Jaso, what a guy. So he learned under like three like really good like game calling catchers, three really good chemistry catchers. So it wasn't a surprise when he took over the mantle that it was like a smooth transition. And then same thing with Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy learned under uh, in camp at least Luke Luke Roy and then Josh Fegley uh, in the season. Langoliers didn't really have that opportunity. It feels like he only had one season under Murphy, and I, I don't know. He only had a couple months under Murphy. A couple months, yeah. I guess he only right, had a couple months. He, yeah. So and that and it kind of goes back to um, and you know what always helped with those guys too. Bob Melvin was a catcher. Yes, yes. Mark Kotze is not. He was an outfielder. And the other thing too, and I'm um, which kind of goes back to something I tweeted about last week during that race series because it's so frustrating to watch. It made me wish that out of all the trades, I wish they didn't make. I wish it wasn't the Christian Bethencourt court trade because. He's I, I thought he's a hmm. such a solid major league catcher where like that look he was a top prospect at one point in the Brave system I was I found out about it because the they're bringing up the Evan Gaddis stuff and I think he does enough where I think um, Shay Langleyers could have learned a lot from him 
So I don't know. nothing not, against Manny Pena and Carlos Perez. Yeah, Ford, I was yeah. a fan of his. Um, so it's interesting. I thought they would have done a better job of addressing the veteran backstop. And Carlos Perez looks like he's doing a decent job so far. But I think it's something to tell that it looks like this rotation is pitching better with him behind the plate than they are with Shea. At the same time, I don't know how impactful that is anymore with the pitch comm system. It's that's true because I feel like a lot of pitching coaches are calling some of the games with the pitch comm system. That's true, but it's also I think this is something we should keep an eye out for the rest of the month. Then, yeah, if this is just a small sample size, that oh, it's kind of interesting that that got you know Carlos Payne or Carlos Carlos Payne, Carlos Perez isn't a world beater veteran catcher. He was kind of a journeyman guy. He got called up from eventually got a job with the A's out of the minors from mm-hmm. just bouncing around all the time. But it's just kind of interesting that we're kind of noticing this so far. But that's the that's the catching side of thing. But what are you seeing from the young guys right now where you're kind of raising a little bit of a red flag that they're not learning from it? Well, I mean, if Fuji's issue is his command. He's throwing the ball all over the fucking – everywhere but the strike zone. So, like, he's getting – he's gotten beat up the past two um, – the past two games – because of that, I I I I don't know. I have a, an issue with the um, the way they're handling him. I get how it works in Japan, like the rotation, but like if he wants to adjust to the major leagues, like he should fucking do it the way we do it, and you should see him pitch every five days instead of every Saturday. I I think that, especially with a young rotation, that really fucks with the heads of the Ken Walderchucks, the Kyle Mullers, the JP Sears, because it's like they're pitching on shorter rest on some days. They don't know kind of when they're pitching. Like, it's just it's just a cycle of just clusterfucks. Like, they kind of figured it out this week by putting Adam Oler and having him start today because it was a day game, but Adam Oler sucks, so they totally that totally fucked that up. So I, it's just like having to deal with that situation – them being young and having like the workload really be a part of it for the first time is a big thing. Not having a real veteran leader in the rotation to ground it. James Caprillion is older. He, I guess is a veteran, but he doesn't have much major league experience and he hasn't had a lot of success. Um, like consistent success. I think if the year was started with Paul Blackburn in the rotation, this rotation would see a little bit more success. I genuinely believe that. Look at the rotations because Paul Blackburn, people forget he's been around for a fucking long time. He was in the rotation, obviously with Manaya and uh, Chris Bassett and all those guys. But he first came up kind of towards the end of the like 2014 run. I remember he came up like very briefly around that time. 2017, his first time pitching with the A's. Are we sure? I just brought up his baseball reference. So, who was the 2017 rotation of the A's? If let's, you click on Oakland and yep, there, it'll let's, show it. Let's look up the 2017 Oakland A's rotation. Uh, Mr. Daniel Gossett. Oh, wow. Daniel Gossett, Sean Manaya, uh, Daniel Megden, just the worst. Mm. Uh, Jarrell Khan, Kendall Graveman. Okay, so he's part of that class. Yeah, so um, not, the, not the great, not the best rotation. Uh, mm. Actually... The leader in games started that season was – is that right? 
probably probably gossip. Oh right? no, I'm sorry. Uh, the the main rotation was Manaya, Cotton, Graveman, Sonny Gray. So he got traded. Graveman, yeah. Uh, Sonny Gray, Jesse yeah. Hahn, and then uh, Daniel Gossett, and then some guys who made some spot starts. Jesse Hahn, that guy was short. Andrew Triggs, uh, Paulie Punchouts had ten games started. I loved Andrew Triggs. Andrew Triggs, it was such a good name. <laughs> Such a good name. Let's see what he's up to right now. Well, he's been around a couple. Anyway, I mean, there there is some veteran, and he's been doing an All Star game. He's had success. I don't know. I I feel like there there's a difference with some veteran leadership there. Yeah, I, I think that's totally what's going on right now. And and people always, I feel like in baseball more than often, people like don't they overestimate or they they look past like the 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 leadership aspect of a clubhouse and like. The team aspect. At the end of the day, this is a sport. And what sports need, and this is proven time after time, to be a successful, organized sports team, like, you have to have someone who can lead men. At the end of the day, you need leader of men. And that's one thing that this starting rotation, at least, does not have. And the bullpen doesn't have really either. I mean, Jerry's familia is like a shell of himself. You know what I mean? Like, not the guy he was five years ago at all whatsoever. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the nice thing, at least with the positional players, of having TK out there, Jesus Aguilar, guys who've been around the block and can kind of um, vouch for this team. But it's like we don't have that in the rotation. But not in the rotation, yeah. It's like we, and I think that's something that – yeah, Tony Kemp's an incredible leader. You could, I mean, you could see it out in the field every single day. But I, I think he's going to be a manager one day. At least my hope is he becomes a manager one day or something. It's a in long coaching. ways away, but yeah, yeah, he's still pretty. He's relatively young in his career, but I, I think he has the the tangibles that you would want from a manager. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a really good point. The thing is, like, what is there a way this team can fix it? Is there a way you can find a and an older starter who's down on their luck that you would want to bring in just to even try it because at the same part you don't want to waste those starts we have so many starters now that you want to see what you can get out of in the bigs that know, this man. year might not be the year anymore to do it yeah i just don't think it's worth it if like we were good and we were like the you know like a playoff spot was on the line then yeah but it's not so like this is kind of the time i feel like you got to work through your your issues a little bit but also Let's not forget Paul Blackburn's probably going to be back. And... He's been doing rehab starts. Yeah. A he couple, looked great in AAA. A couple weeks or something, maybe a week. Um, Let's say he comes up, has a really good start. That's going to be like – I could see the guys rallying around that to where there's just more – there just needs to be more consistency. I mean, Ken Wallachuk showed it yesterday. He, you know, he was consistent all game. That's really what you need of him. Kyle Muller, you know, he had one bad inning. In his three starts, I you know I'll I'll give him a pass on that one. But JP Sears has been kind of all over the place, and God Fuji, I mean he's got to get control of his. That's fine you, that you can throw it 101 miles per hour, but if you can't throw it in the strike zone, it doesn't fucking matter. He has all the talent in the world where he could be a legit, like a every five day pitcher. Yeah, it's just the consistency. There is a reason why even in in the the Japanese league and NPL he was pitching out of the pen. Yeah, because he didn't have those issues. And maybe that's his future. Yeah, to be honest it, with and you. honestly. That's fine. Like, that's fine. That's, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. It's, I personally think it's probably too late. It's probably too late to bring in a, a veteran to kind of have It doesn't that. make sense. Not even that it's too late. It just doesn't make sense for this it team. It doesn't make sense. But next year, because 
my I think our assumption is at least my assumption is compete next year. Yeah. By the end of this season, we will have a pretty concrete idea of who, at least in these this current rotation, who will be in and who will be out. Yeah. Um. I it's like between Waldochuk, Muller, Sears, Aller, um, and then uh, you know who's going to be the guys of those four that we can rely on for the future. That's like, yep, we're putting all our eggs in basket, these two guys. And then what's going to happen is can Paul Blackburn replicate what he did in the first half of last season? Well, if not like, is he going to be like, yeah. Will James Caprillion ever be at least some form of consistency where we can have him as a three, four starter? We don't know. Yeah. And then from then on there out, we can fix it. But in terms of what the issue is with what this, rotation is right now they're just extremely inexperienced and they're having the bad luck of having a really tough first month of the schedule mm-hmm. we'll probably we'll you know we're not going to get too far into the schedule for the rest of the month uh right now just because we typically will talk about the schedule um the week of games but the a's have had a really first month of the season of course they open against the angels uh of course, we are both in the mindset. We'll believe it when we see it. If yeah. this age, angel seems good, uh, but hold on, just real quick, I want to bring up pitchers who we have in the minors that are, of course, coming of course. up real quick. So, you talked about Freddie Tarnock um, in that last segment because um, Adam Aller started today as like the sixth starter, which I fucking hate him. I I would rather have bring up Freddie Tarnock and let him get those reps, but. He's hurt, so that's another thing. He's expected to come up really soon. Mason Miller, probably not. Just he's probably not quite there yet, up. though, dude. He's probably next year. Yeah, but the guy was a twenty. The fact that he's a twenty twenty one pick and he's already hit, pitching a Triple A is pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, J T. Jin or Gin, sorry, J T. Oh, Gin. He'll he'll be he'll be coming up pretty soon. Um, I he's probably gonna come up with the September call-ups if they need him, But um, I think he's kind of ready there. And then Lu- Lu- uh, Luis Medina, but Luis Medina is probably going to be a bullpen guy. So um, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, there's guys there. They're not top prospects. You know, the top prospects are up already. The Wallachucks, the Molers, and the Sears. Um, so there's not a ton of options, but I don't, I don't know. It's, We'll see what happens in the draft this year. We'll see if yeah, but if they draft someone this year, they're two years away if they're college kids, and then they're probably four years away if they're that's true high school. Kids. It seems like they're. It seems like this year they're going to go pitching for sure because what they have the third they're pitch. out of them now. They brought them all up, or with drafting pitchers. Sorry, they would draft a pitcher. This I year. know the, the I don't. I mean, they need a lot in the farm system. They were really outfield light. So they made some trades to get some outfielders in. They have an overwhelming amount of middle infielders that aren't panning out. So it's like, do you want to go middle infield again? Um, they have too many catchers. They drafted a catcher this year in the first pick. I don't understand that for the life of me. When you have, when at the time you had Sean Murphy, Shay Langliers, and you had uh, Tyler Soderstrom who was playing catcher. I, I, God, it's just like so frustrating. And you brought up all the pitchers. I mean, all the pitchers you had in the minor league system, 
you got him through trades where you brought him up or you traded him away. It's just I don't know, man. It's fucking weird. Look, obviously, I don't know what the I don't know what the scouting department's doing. Look, obviously, it would take some time to get this person kind of back into shape. But no, hell, call Kyler Murray. Hey, man. <laughs> he was an You're, outfielder. The, car, the Cardinals look like crap. He was an outfielder. I I know, I know, but like just to have a a potential like hey, call Jameis Winston. He. He was a pitcher. He was back a in college. badass reliever in college. Yeah, he was. Like, go look up Jameis Winston highlight tapes from Florida State as a reliever, and he had like a net, like he had like a sub two year. They said year. he could have been drafted. Yeah, he looked awesome. Yeah. Um, but before we lose track of this, uh, the A's have had a really, really tough first month. Angels, Guardians, Rays, Baltimore. Next week we've got coming this weekend. We got Mets. the Mets. We got the Cubs. You go on the road. The Rangers are looking good. We're playing the Angels again. We don't. Mm-hmm. There's really no breaks until they play the Reds at the end of the month. Yeah. So, I, I think just this is just your everybody's reminder, ours included too. We just got to be a little patient. There's, this is these are all really <sighs> yes, good. but we don't the, look. The season's not. We're not making the playoffs. We know that, but there needs to be some. There needs. They need to show some bright spots. They need to show some. Like positivity that we know that the front office is pointing this team in the right direction in the future, you know. And I we've seen no glimpses of it in pitching on the pitching side. You know what? This schedule doesn't really let up. I'm just looking at this full thing, Tight. and it, it's it's not it's it's not going to be a fun year. You just got to hope again, stay competitive, find ways to steal some games, get in there, and we just got to find the hope. And I think it comes with this. The biggest part is this rotation because this was, I think, a big factor going into it. So if we had to come out of this conversation, the biggest things are this is just what happens when you have a super inexperienced rotation and lineup that they're going to run into these mistakes. Not only just the inexperience with the rotation, but also with catching with Shade Langoliers not having a full year under his belt. There will be some days where we will need to rely on Carlos Perez because – having some form of stability back there. Um, his and, bat's struggling, too, Shangling Lear, so he's probably all up in He had head. a bomb yesterday. He did. That was yeah. his first of the season, though. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. In ways of – is there any solutions to solve it? No, you just got to hope by the end of this no, season – No, two weeks in. We're probably overreacting. Absolutely. That's what our, that's, that's our job. That's what, we get, that's what we get paid to do now. That's what we do. That's what we get paid now. Um, you just got to hope by at least – the end of July, we'll have at least some solidified answers of what we should yeah. really be looking at. Um, okay, cool. Well, I mean, normally wrap up the schedule with um, – or wrap up the show with uh, previewing the upcoming schedule, but Julio just did that. So let's just pick our players of the week and then our tailgate tool of the week, and then we'll just be done with it. My player of the week. I'll pick the other one. The Do you want to pick the obvious one or do you want to pick the non-obvious one? You pick the They're obvious one. They're probably both obvious. What was your obvious? I, I'm kind of curious now. Brent Roker. Hello, yeah, duh. Yeah, obviously. So should we not? No, pick no, him as no, an no. Make no. We gave him stats earlier this week. I mean, the guy is is just been lights out. I, I, you know, maybe I'm just like recency biased and too hyped up, but I there's a lot of promise there, man. I I'm I'm a big fan of his. Um, haven't seen enough of his fielding to know what he can do in the outfield, but you know, at least he's a DH option, uh, especially with Seth Brown. Um, uh, hurt right now um but he's been great man and he's 
it's not even just the past three games. Like he's kind of been made quality at bats. So um, he's my player of the week. Yes, that's a good choice. Um, again, this is a little bit more recency bias. Well, I'm gonna go that's Ray Reese. Um, oh, I thought you would pick Ken Waldachuk. I feel like no, we, we already gave him. We already gave him some. We gave him some, his. Fl- yeah, we gave him his his credit. But Esra yeah. uh, Ruiz, I think we started seeing the glimpse of what he could be out yeah. there. Uh, just to see him again. This is all going to be dependent on coaching. Where you just let this guy run, let him yeah. run the bases and I figure agree. stuff out. Uh, he batted two seventy eight in the last week. He had a really productive day today. He went three for four. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping this is just a sign of things to come. Obviously, I think it was a matchup dependent thing on why he was hitting in the leadoff spot. But hey, it's nice just to see this progress because I think the thing going into this season was we knew what he was going to be defensively. We knew what he was going to be the base pass. What's he going to look like with a bat? And we started seeing a little bit of it. He's not going to hit for power. He's not going to be driving balls all over the place. But hey. Get on base, mm-hmm. however you can, and just figure out where you're going to go from there. So, that's Ray Ruiz. What's up, man? Welcome nice. to the Play of the Week. Good one. Now, my player to watch for – my central tool of the week, sorry. Central tool, uh, the tool player, of the week. Same thing, player yeah, to watch. Yeah, whatever. Just same shit. Uh, well, my, if you're new to our show, it's probably important you know. So, at the end of every show, we do – we pick a player of the week, and then we pick what we call the essential tailgate tool of the week um, because we're always on brand with the theme of this podcast. Um. It's just a player to watch in the upcoming week, and then we'll recap next week's episode and see how they did. Yes. Uh, except I realized we didn't. Um... I don't know if Oaktown boys were, like, their listeners are listening to us now, so I just want to inform them. No, we didn't do it last week, but um, we're doing it this week, so it doesn't matter. Uh, my player for this coming week is going to be none other than Mount Fuji himself. Damn. Um... That was mine, bro. Sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. I'm gonna yeah. look for another one while you do that. Um, he's pitching Saturday. Oh, no, I have another one. Just kidding. Yeah, he's pitching Saturday. Uh, Shintaro Fujinami, full name. Um, he's pitching Saturday against the Mets. I, can th- he get control of his fastball? Pretty much. Yeah. Can Can he learn to get control on the fastball? And I think another thing that's gonna and come the sinker. And the sinker. Just... Actually, he has more control of the sinker, though. I kind of want him to just throw it every time since he can control it better. Uh, but I think the thing that I'm more curious about is, so Friday night, we're going to be seeing the other pitching sensation from the wonderful, amazing country of Japan and Kode Senga. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't know him, he's the uh, pitcher designer from Japan playing for the Mets. He, he's a, the owner of the ghost fork ball that's slowly taken over baseball we get to see that in person or not in person we get to see it against the a's on friday up close and personal yeah so it's going to be i hope that drives something in him to Mm -hmm. see the competition of a fellow countryman to go out there and really just but it didn't with otani so why would you think that? yeah because they were off the day before so it wasn't it wasn't that fresh (laughs) it wasn't that fresh in his mind just saying but besides the besides the point I love to see some consistency on Speaking just. Speaking of Japan, Kim is batting right now up on he's the He's South Korean. Oh, sorry. Goal. Racist of me. Yeah, um, but I love to see some consistency behind the of uh, just with location there. Whether it be a catcher change will help him out. We'll see. Mm. This isn't going to be his third time in the rotation. Hopefully, whatever nerves he had as the first two starts, to kind of settle down. Um, so. Shintaro Fujinami, go t- shut down the Mets on Saturday. Speaking of catcher, my tailgate tool of the week is Shea Langoliers. Let's Bangaliers. see if he can get some quality starts out of uh, out of these starting pitchers this week. Um, let's also see if he can con- continue to 
keep that bat hot. Um, not only for, you know, the well-being of the Oakland A's, but the well-being of my fantasy team because I need him. <laughs> um, he got – he uh, – yeah, he's had some some uh, some shitters on the uh, on the the starting rotation side, but um, let's see what he can do. Let's see if he can kind of figure this out. And maybe once his bat starts going, he'll calm down. And maybe he can maybe do better behind the plate. Um, so that's mine. <clears throat> that's All right, it. that's gonna be it for the show. Um, we'll be back next week. Um, once again, we're brought to you by the Fan First Podcast Network. Um, follow us on Tail at Town Tailgate on Twitter. I don't know. Last but not least, before we do the the official sign off, let's go Dubs. Go Playoffs Dubs. On Saturday. Playoffs on Saturday, five p.m. tip off. And if there are any ESPN. Kings fans that listen to us, um, fuck off. <laughs> I was gonna say, honestly. It's awesome. This is going to be – I haven't looked this forward to a series in a minute. It's going to be so much fun. Yes. I'm excited for Northern California, the, you know, Yolo County, wherever, Sacramento County folks, all that. I'm, I'm glad to see the I was going to say, do you think that Sacramento's in Yolo County? No, but they can all go to hell because it's Dubs Nation. Yeah, so I, I always say I have a soft spot in my heart for the Kings – I lived in Sacramento for five years. The Kings, I was a big fan of those early 2000s teams. Those Chris Webber, Mike Bibby, Jason Williams before Mike Bibby, Peja Toyakovic. They got me into basketball. Yep. That team yep. was so good and so much fun to watch. And they got me to start watching basketball. But I lived in the Bay Area, so I didn't get to watch Kings games locally. So I started watching the Warriors, and that's why I became a Warrior fan. But I always had a soft spot for that team. They've always been my number two team. I've always wanted success for them. My cousin Chris Mays is a – big Kings fan and he always talks shit to us but I'm like dude I'm, I like the Kings too but this w- next two weeks you guys can go fuck yourselves <laughs> and on that note last but not least Julio let's go Oakland go worse uh.